When the PowerPoint is ready to go, we'll have that on as well. But tonight we're getting into lesson 14 of unit two titled Creation animals and man and so we're continuing on with uh, what we laid foundationally last week and the week before we've been talking about the week of creation um, the six 24-hour days in which God created everything heavens and earth everything head to toe bumper to bumper everything we see was all done in this period of six days and then on the seventh day of course he rested and so we've just kind of on on a line by line precept on precept kind of approach been going through this week um, laid out in the scripture in Genesis 1. And we've just been talking in depth about each of these, these parts of creation. Of course, we began by talking about in the beginning and heavens and earth, laying out those uh, definitions. We did talk uh, last week about the first four days. We talked about days and kinds and how um, the word yom, the one that's used in Genesis for the day, does have different definitions and some um, to go in conjunction with the theory of evolution or the gap theory have redefined that to taken it out of context to mean a great deal of time, millions or some would say billions of years. Of course, we know from what we looked at last week that it is, in fact, a 24-hour day. And so that gives us the foundation to move forward that God, in His power, in His greatness, was able to create everything we know and see in a period of just um, six 24-hour days. We also talked about those first four days of creation and what was created in that time. Light, the earth, and all the waters on it, the atmosphere, the land and sea. Um, the stars and planets and plants according to their kind and that according to their kind was of course a significant statement as well because in it we know that uh, there are various kinds of plant life and what we're going to see tonight as we get into this lesson about animals and mankind is there are different kinds of animal life. There are various kinds that are living on the earth um, but what we found in the kinds and the study of kinds is that one kind cannot turn into another kind. Kinds do not crossbreed, crossproduce. There are kinds laid out. And based on the production of kinds over time, we may have variations within them, but each kind is specific and it is its own um, kind, so to speak. And we even see in science the way people classify animals or classify plants today. There is a, a classification, order kingdom, phylum, class, order, family, genus, species. And so even, even with our understanding of observational science, we can break down and see that there are, in fact, unique kinds. Um, and then there are variations within those kinds. And so tonight, we're kind of building upon that, building upon the earth that had been created, and now um, the earth had been created, and God is filling it with all kinds of wonderful things. We see that plants were already present. The heavens had been filled with stars and planets. But on day five, what we're getting into tonight is when God began to fill the earth, fill the land with living creatures. And so um, tonight's lesson focuses on days five and six of creation week. Um, we're going to talk about how God created flying animals, sea creatures, land animals. God created these animals according to their kind, just as he did with the plants. And then we see man was created in God's image, unlike the animals. Because of this, God has provided a way for us to have relationship with him. And so tonight, um, as much as it's going to be great to see God creating um, sea, sea life and life on the land in the, in the form of animals and beings and, and then later mankind, I think the most important thing we can take out of this study tonight is that mankind was created separately and, and definitively different than animals. 
that we and animals are not the same. We are not created on an equal status or an equal plane. Um, God, and what we're going to see tonight is he values us above the animals. We are a greater creation of his than animals. And so the reason this is so important, and it fits right into that apologetic study that we've been going through, is there is a segment of people in the world today that would want to compare us to animals and say we're just nothing more than that. And what we'll get into at the end of tonight's lesson is how that kind of conversation opens up the door to all kinds of um, wrong behavior, wrong thought, and how it can really um, degrade God's creation into something worth much less than what we are truly worth. So tonight, let's get into this. Let's start. Um, actually, I want to start kind of with something that I thought might be fun. We've been talking a lot about evolution and the gap theory, and we're going to go to Genesis 1.20 um, here in just a moment. But before we do that, I thought it'd be interesting to kind of see what the difference that we're comparing the biblical view is. You know, we talk every week about what the Bible says. Well, I thought it'd be interesting at this point, now that we've studied creation, we've studied the days and how it really was a six-day, um, 24-hour six day timeline, um, and see how that just really does not fit in with science's perspective on this. And, and we haven't done this every week, but I just thought it'd be interesting to see how we think and we believe because of what the Word says that the world and, and creation and the universe is about 6,000 years old, right? We've been saying that now for about a month. What uh, science and, and the evolutionary or gap theory point of view would say is this, that the earth is about 13 billion years old. And because we're talking about animals tonight, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about what evolution says the history of animal kind on earth would be. And so um, according to science and, and evolution, um, animals began living on earth about 6 million years ago. So you know, in the scheme of what they believe, still pretty recent. They say six million years ago, multi-cell organisms began living on the earth. And then 250 million years ago, dinosaurs began roaming the earth. And then at 100 million years, bees came in and began living on the earth. And at 66 million years ago, um, dinosaurs went extinct and, extinct. and then 50 million years ago, bats came into the earth. 25 million years ago, deer came into the earth. 15 million years ago, kangaroos arrived on the earth. 10 million years ago, platypus arrived on the earth. 5 million years ago, mammoths came to the earth. 2 million years ago is when they um, locate the first form of human human life on the earth. Um, 350,000 years ago is the time when they believe Neanderthals would have lived and, and roamed the earth. 30,000 years ago is when they say the Neanderthals would have gone extinct and what we would have been left with was uh, modern human kind. And so that's just from what I could find online, what everyone, well, you know, science would say and evolution would say um, the history of our earth is. So knowing that, we can see, I believe, even with what we've already studied, that this is very much a false teaching. It's very much false truth um, according to what the Word says. Because the Word doesn't say that the earth is, well, even 600 million years old when the first cells showed up. And what we're going to see tonight, and why I included this, is um, the, the contrast of this Science, this theory says that over 600 million years, animals evolved from multicell organisms through dinosaurs and all kinds of different beings and woolly mammoths and then Neanderthals. And just over time, gradually, we got to be who we are and what we are today. Well, what the Word says and what we're going to see tonight is that in 
day five and day six of creation, in two days, in 48 hours, every living kind was created. And so it's, it's a stark contrast to what evolution theory would say because that would say it took 600 million years for all of this to get here and all of this to develop. But what the Bible says that two days, God created it all. He spoke it into existence and made it all out of nothing. Genesis 1 verse 20 through 23 tonight, and we're going to begin reading. I don't know if I've got this. Sean, would you just... Take care of that on the computer for me. If we can pull up Genesis 1, 20 through 23. And I'm going to be reading out of the New King James translation, which is what I have printed off on your scripture sheets tonight. Um, Genesis 1, 20 through 31. We'll just read all of this up front and then go back through and break down um, each part as we move through. Then God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves, with which the waters abounded according to their kind. And every winged bird, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and morning were the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. God saw, or I'm sorry, so God created in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Let, uh, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to every thing that creeps on earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So evening and morning were the sixth day. And so see, we, we see here in these two days, day five and day six of Genesis 1, God creates everything in the sea, everything in the air, birds and, and creation and, and living creatures. Um, and then he goes on and creates the, the livestock, creeping things, beasts of the earth, and finally male and female. And so I want to go through this part by part. We're going to start by breaking down day five and day six. And so Genesis 1, 20 through 23, we'll go back. And look specifically um, at this passage of scripture of day five where he created the things of the sea and the things of the air. He said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures. An abundance of living creatures. He didn't just put a couple. He put an abundance. He filled the waters with living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament. Firmament, of course, is what we talked about being the atmosphere, the air. Um, he says firmament of the heavens, the space in which um, he created, the air which we would live in, the air which we would breathe. Um, 
And so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded, according to their kind. According to their kind. See, we see again that there are various kinds. It wasn't just one sea creature that planted and out of that one sea creature, somehow, some way, multiple began to evolve and change, um, you know, based on the time or the, the circumstances. He said there were multiple kinds. It was filled, abounding with various kinds of sea creatures and every winged bird, according to its kind. Right from the beginning, there were many kinds of birds and flying winged creatures. And God saw that it was good. And then he sent them, of course, to, to be fruitful and multiply and fill um, the, the space in which he had placed them. And that was the fifth day. So breaking this down and talking about a few points I see that are important is the sea creatures. He said great sea creatures. He created these great sea creatures. Every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded. So everything that lives and moves throughout the water is what God created on day five. He created these, these creatures that were in the water. I mean, we could talk about, you know, all the different kinds of creatures that dwell in the water. There are fish and whales and crustaceans. There's jellyfish. And we could even go on and say that there are great sea creatures. You know, we science... Science, observational science, looking at skeletons and, and like things they have found signify that there were once creatures living in the depths of the sea that may be not live there today, may not be living there today. Or maybe they are and we can't find them because the sea is deep and big and we're not able to see everything that's down there. The point is, everything that was living in the water at this time was created on day five of, of the Genesis creation week. And so this, this passage of Scripture would, would take away from any argument that, you know, there was a world before the world, that God had created all of these creatures in the sea that roamed and lived and did their thing before, you know, Genesis 1, uh, verse 20. He created every, it says everything, every living creature in the water. That's what he created on day five. And so he filled the waters with these things. You know, I, I, what we're going to get to tonight as we continue talking, and, and tonight's not the main lesson about the dinosaurs and dragons. I know a couple people have been asking me when that one's coming. I think we have one more uh, next week's about Adam and Eve, and then the following week we'll be talking more extensively about dinosaurs. But as we go through um, today's lesson, tonight's lesson, what I want you to see as well as what we talked about before is that the dinosaurs, these prehistoric creatures that don't walk the earth today, were made the same time that the stuff we see today was. They were a kind of creation that was made on day five and day six of the Genesis creation account. It wasn't, you know, sometime later. You know, I was even thinking about it in, in terms of this. You know, I went through this list of all of what science would say are all these cre creatures and when they came into existence. Many of those have gone extinct at some point. And, you know, we see actively today there are kinds of creatures that are going extinct. And so why is it that there has to be some other gap or a world before a world or all these millions of years for extinction to happen to a kind that was created in Genesis? I, I mean, you know, we know that creation was all wiped out with the flood except for one of every kind that Noah brought with him on the ark. And so that population obviously was reduced by a significant amount just as every other one was at the time of the flood. Well, they went off and they went to fill the earth. Well, you know, some... Some creatures have done a better job of filling the earth than others. And we live in a world that is, is, is broken by sin and corruption and death. And so sin and, and death and disease are part of the fallen world. 
And so these creatures, though, though they were created to live in this perfect world, this heaven that was created in Genesis 1, since corruption came into the world, which we'll read about here in a few weeks, those creatures have begun dying off. And we see it actively even today that creatures, kinds, are dying off. And so it's nothing new. It's not something that we need a millions of years explanation for. It's a simple fact that what we're seeing happen today is what's happened over the last 6,000 years that the earth has been in existence. And so these great sea creatures is, is what this definition even says. He created great sea creatures. So to me, I read that and I have no problem visualizing some gigantic shark or some crazy looking long neck, huge fin thing with all kinds of teeth. I mean, why not? Man. You know, if he can create blue whales and, and some of the crazy stuff, giant squid kind of stuff you see on Discovery Channel today, why couldn't he create a dinosaur at the same time? Man. You know, and, and even the term dinosaur, I wasn't even going to you know, teach this tonight, but one of the things I read in study was that the term dinosaur didn't even come around until about 1800. It's a recent term to describe something that for a long period of time we didn't know what to do with. We're finding these bones, we're finding these animals that once lived. We don't know what to do with that information. And so we made up a term dinosaur. It just means a creature that we haven't seen. It, it was long gone before, you know, we were used to seeing them. And so, you know, that's one of the things that we'll talk about some more in a couple of weeks here. I need to continue on with our, our creation account of day five and day six. But I want you to understand tonight as we go through that, you know, these creatures that we don't see today... Well, it doesn't negate the scripture that says they were created on days five and day six. Just because we don't see them today doesn't mean that God didn't do what he said he did. He created them on these days. Mm -hmm. And so if it existed, then God created it. That's right. If it has existed at any point in time, then God is the one who created it. Moving on to the, the next part of this day, he creates uh, every winged bird according to its kind. Now, there, there is a word... The Hebrew word used for winged creatures is, um, it's spelled O-W-P-H. We're just going to pronounce that Ulf. Ulf. All right. And it's Norwegian. <laughs> yeah, it might be. Ulf. I mean, it, it sounds like you're getting punched in the stomach. Ulf. But it means winged bird. That's the, that's the translation of this Hebrew word that is given here. Um, in the New King James Bible is a winged bird. Oaf. Well, I'm going to take us over now to Leviticus 11, um, 13. There it is. 13 through 15. Thanks, Sean. I don't think I'm going to be doing it with this, so you can just say on me. Leviticus 11, 13 through 15. The same word, oaf, was used here in Leviticus. And this reads... Um, and it gives us some insight to what the meaning of this word may actually be. It says, and these you shall detest among the birds. This is, this is the law. He's telling you what you can and cannot touch, what you're not supposed to eat, what is a dirty, unclean bird. You better never touch it or eat it. He says, these shall detest among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are detestable. The eagle, the bearded vulture, the black vulture, the kite, the falcon of any kind, even, uh, or every raven of any kind, keep going on. Isn't it interesting, he ta he's talking about kinds, because there are various kinds of birds. The ostrich, the nighthawk, the seagull, the hawk of any kind, the owl, the little owl, uh, the cormorant, the short-eared owl, the barn owl, the tawny owl, the carrion vulture, 
the stork, the heron of any kind, the hoopoe. And now see, this, this next creature that we're about to read about is interesting because he says, and the bat. Well, the bat is not classified as a, a bird the way we classify. And so what I would offer tonight is a better English translation of this Hebrew word rather than winged bird, since a bat's not a bird, might be all flying and winged creatures. And when we read Genesis 1, with, with that kind of understanding of this word, how we may read it instead of every winged bird is every winged creature, every flying creature in the atmosphere was created on day five. And so going on with our same point that we talked about how the oceans were filled with all these creatures and some of those creatures may have been creatures we don't see today. Prehistoric dinosaur flying winged creatures were created on day five of Genesis. Day five of Genesis. And once again, we could say this, bats, birds, you know, sparrows. Story, I mean, he, there's a pretty extensive list of, of flying creatures here. We could say the extinct flyers, such as patera, not patera, pterodactyls. There's a P in that word, so you'll understand my pterodactyl. We could say that, that those skeletons that we found where, where uh, according to observational science, they, they flew at one time across our atmosphere. They were created on day five of the Genesis creation account. On the fifth 24-hour day, God created all these flying creatures. And just because we don't see them today does not mean that God did not create them. Because if it existed, then God created it. Amen? Let's go on now to day six and, and read Genesis 1. Uh, we'll, we'll read 24 and 25 to begin. It says, Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And so we see... Once again, various kinds being brought forth. And, and it's almost like he's breaking down kinds within kinds because he says he created the livestock according to its kind. Well, there are different kinds of livestock. Sheep look different than pigs and pigs look different than cows. I mean, we probably know that better than anyone here in Jefferson, Iowa. Can I get an amen to that? We understand there are various kinds within the livestock uh, world of animals. Uh, creeping things, you know there are various kinds of creepers. You know, it's... Some of you hate spiders. Some of you hate snakes. I think it's more righteous to hate the serpent since he's the one that came and, you know, got Eve to sin and Adam to sin. That's not doctrine. I just hate snakes. So we see different kinds of creeping things, don't we? Salamanders, lizards, you know, obviously snakes, uh, like we mentioned. I mean, various kinds of creepers. And so they were all created, even though they're different, they were all created on, on day six of Genesis. And then it says, beasts of the earth, according to their kind. I don't really know what a beast of the earth is. I suppose there's a lot of different ways you could, you could classify that. You know, if it's not livestock and it doesn't creep, then it's probably a beast. So maybe there we could talk about lions and elephants and tigers and dinosaurs, I mean, why not? Why aren't dinosaurs part of this list? You know, when, when we were in like, you know, 2350 uh, BC, 
when the flood came or, or you know, when we were that far into, into existence, it would have been 4,000 years ago, after the flood had occurred and Noah and everyone were stepping off the ark, it was normal for them to see dinosaurs just like they saw every other kind of beast. It wasn't like, oh yeah, here's a tiger, but look, it's a dinosaur. They were, they were just all part of creation. They were all just beasts of the earth. So, I mean, why would there be a special word acknowledging dinosaurs? They were just another one of God's creatures roaming the earth. They, I, and I think that's why they didn't get, you know, special highlight. Because, I mean, we know that tigers have existed since the, the big cats. They've been around since the beginning of the world. Elephants, they have to have, I mean, nobody ever questions that, right? Like, we, we see the pictures of Noah's Ark with the giraffe hanging off the side, and there's an elephant over here. And, and we don't question that because we're used to seeing them. Well, they don't get special mention in the Bible. I mean, we're not reading through Genesis 1, reading about the elephants, and then he created the tigers, and then he created this, and, and then he created the dinosaurs. It doesn't get special mention because at the time of writing, it was just another one of the normal creatures you saw around the world. Kind of an interesting thought, isn't it? And so we believe that because God created the beasts of the earth, he created the dinosaurs. And they came into existence on day six of the creation account. Deer, antelope, cows, lizards, alligators, elephants, cats, dogs, insects, dinosaurs, reptiles, a variety of creatures, a variety of kinds, from small to large. If it existed, God created it. And then we go on, read verse 26. God says, let us, he says us because all three of the Trinity of God were present, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, the earth, over creeping thing. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish, the birds, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he gives them the plants and herbs as food to eat. We see a distinction made here between man, mankind, men and women. We see a distinction made between them and all of the other creatures that he had created on day six and day five. We can maybe say that God saved the best for last. Amen. His best, his favorite, he saved for last. You know, I do that when I eat food. I don't know if there's anyone else in here like that. You save that that last bite, and, and maybe you even like work it to get, like if I'm eating a burger or something, I make sure I get just the right amount of every topping that's on it into that last bite, and then I, I enjoy that final bite. Well, you know, that's kind of a, a crude example to compare to our creation in Genesis, but he saved the best for last. He saved his favorite part of creation, the, the crowning achievement of his creation to be the last thing he made. And we do see some other distinctions here other than being the final thing created. We also see some other places where there is distinguishment from other creation. Right away he, he defines us all as, as male and female. And it says he blessed us, which we don't see with any of the other creation. It doesn't say he blessed the beasts and blessed the creeps. Aren't you glad God didn't bless the creeps? Amen. I don't want all those creeps running around a blessed life, favored life, or they've got dominion over me. That'd be bad. But 
he blessed mankind, it says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and have dominion over all these things that were created. So we see a blessing. You know, the word blessed, how, how I believe it's meant in this context would be uh, the definition to say, to speak excellent of. You know, that's a definition of blessed is to speak excellent of that one. You know, I, I, I used to think, I used to think like one term with this word blessed where all I could think was like, you know, I'm receiving something. I'm getting blessed. But there is another definition of this where saying that, you know, they blessed them. I bless you. It means I'm speaking highly of you. I'm exalting you, so to speak. I, I, I am making you of excellent status. And so I've, I've heard people say before, I bless God. I'm thinking, what are you giving God? I mean, God's, he's got it all. I don't, know, I don't know how you're blessing him. Well, in this context of I'm blessing by I'm speaking well of, I'm speaking excellent of, well, then I bless God a lot because I, I try to speak well of God whenever I can. Amen. Amen. And, and here we see it the other way. It says, and God blessed them. God blessed them because at this moment in time, mankind was his greatest creation. And we still are. Praise God. And Jesus restored us, which is what we've talked about pretty much every week as we've gone through um, this series or this curriculum. But we were the excellent, the, the final favored creation. You know, another uh, word of, of blessed or another de definition of blessed is to invoke divine favor upon to invoke divine favor upon. And I love reading in Genesis 1.28 that God invoked divine favor upon Adam and Eve. Amen. And I believe that's the truth. He gave them everything that they needed. This is kind of my other, that other definition of blessed that I usually thought of first. You know, and now I think of these others too. But I used to think, yeah. Invoking divine favor. I've got God's favor in my life. And you know, that favor can manifest a lot of different ways. It was manifesting for Adam and Eve while they walked the Garden of Eden. They were divinely favored by God. They were blessed by God. They met with Him every day. Every need was provided for. They didn't lack for anything. They didn't, they didn't have to go to their 9-to-5 job every day just to put food on the table. Man, they were blessed. They had everything they needed. It was, it was paradise. It was perfection. It was heaven. They were divinely favored by God above all the other creatures. And part of that favor, I believe, is that he gave them dominion. He gave them control over all the other creation. Man, you, you got you to gotta have them as your favorite if you're going to give them control over everything. You know, or, or they got to be the one that you, know, you, you trust. I mean, God loved us and favored us and blessed us. And he gave us dominion over the earth as a part of that blessing. Put us in heaven, in the Garden of Eden, and then gave us control of it. I mean, that's, that's a blessed life. Amen. To be put, I mean, to be put in heaven, to be put in the Garden of Eden, this perfect place, and then he turns it over to you. I mean, it kind of makes me think about like, you know, if, if, if somebody built... A company, this incredible, you know, well off, I mean, just Apple. Let's like, and I'm not saying Apple does everything right, but it's a successful company. I mean, we can probably all agree with that, right? Let's say Steve Jobs, before he died, called you up and said, hey, 
I created something really great. Here you go. You're in charge now. You, you're the beneficiary, beneficiary, ah, beneficiary of it. You are in charge. You get to make the calls if you want to. Otherwise, you, I, mean, I guess you can have somebody else make them. He puts them in charge. Well, that's kind of what God did for us. He created this perfect, amazing world. And then he handed it over to us. And so this is, I believe, just a few of the ways that we can see us as one of God's creations differentiated from the rest of his creation. Because Genesis 1 doesn't say he went and blessed the rest of his creation. It doesn't say that he divinely favored the rest of his creation. It doesn't say that he gave the rest of creation dominion over the world. He says that about us. And so you and I, mankind, are God's favorite creation, his favored creation. And, you know, we are given commands here, too, in a way that um, the other creation was not. You know, not only does he say multiply to fill the earth, um, just as he, he did with the other creation. I mean, he did say to the other beings, be fruitful and multiply, be fruitful and multiply, you know, each according to their kind. And, and um, to us, he goes on and he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over all these other things. He says, you know, I, I created all this other stuff and, and it's going to multiply, it's going to grow, but I want you to go out and multiply and grow and take control and subdue. We, instead of subdue, we could say, like, take control of, be in charge, lead it, guide it. You're in control of this thing now, Adam and Eve. And he doesn't do that with any other. I, I just, I, I think this is such an important point to understand that we are different than every other creation. Because yeah. this is a point that the world wants to take away. They don't want Christians are people to believe that we're anything more than glorified, well, not even glorified, just a, a highly intelligent version of some ape. That's what they want people to believe they are. And when we see ourselves in that context, if that's the perspective on which we view ourselves as one of God's creation, then we demean the value that he gave us when he created us. Yeah. And we'll get into that as we um, get into the last you know, page of this lesson, if, if we get there tonight. We will get there. Um, just a couple more points on day six of creation, and then we're going to talk uh, quickly about a few other points of made in the image of God. After day five, we see that God called the earth good. But after day six, it was called very good. Mm -hmm. We see that in Genesis 1, 21 and 31, the two different times. And isn't it interesting that after he put his favorite creation on the earth and filled it with all kinds of wonderful creatures and his favorite, favorite creation, which is us, he called the earth very good. It was very good because it was complete. You know, before that, it was, it was just good because it wasn't done yet. It was headed in the right direction, but it wasn't finished. After we were put on earth, God had completed his plan of creation. And then, you know, this is this, this point. You know, I, I just preached this last Sunday about how much I like grilling. And so, you know, I, I just felt like it'd be wrong of me to hold this point back. But at this point in history, all animals and mankind ate plants. 
You know, and, and, you know, maybe you never thought about this of when that started, um, but death had not occurred yet. There was no death in the world yet. Um, it w and actually, I think I put the, the verse on your scripture sheet, but Genesis 3 is the first time that we see a hint of, of um, physical death in the world. And it was when God fashioned a tunic made out of skin for Adam and Eve after they became aware of their sin. And then in Genesis 9 is the scripture where um, God first commands Noah and, and his family to eat animals. He said that they were at that point given for food. And so in Genesis 1, Adam and Eve in the garden, I hate to say it, but they were vegetarians. <laughs> Nothing wrong with vegetarians. We love you too, but I'm not one. <laughs> And so I just thought I should put that in here. I thought it was kind of an interesting, you know, little piece of information in the in the history and storyline. But um, that was the point. At this point, we were we were all mankind was vegetarian, just like every other animal. And that's kind of an interesting thought too, that all these other animals that we only see eating meat at one point they were all vegetarians too, and it worked because it was it was a perfect world without sin, death, corruption, or the need of life to transfer from one being to another. And so uh, let's go on now. I, I just thought that was an interesting point, but we need to move on and talk about us being made in the imago dio, di, imago di, image of God. This is the next thing I believe we, we need to see to know that we were created with greater value and above the animals, aren't we? More valuable and created above the animals. Image of God. We read in verse 26 that God said, let us make man in our image. What are some of the things that that means for us? Let's go to John 4, 24 and Colossians 1, 15. We read a couple of verses here and what we see is a distinction. We see a part of us that no other creation received. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. I love John 4.24 because it speaks to the part of our three-part being that no other creation has, which is a spirit. God is a spirit and those who worship Him must be spirit and truth. We must have a spirit to worship Him in spirit. And I believe this is one of the other qualities that distinguishes us from animals is there's not a scripture in the word that says animals spirits. Mm -hmm. We are created with a spirit man on the inside. Our true identity, who we really are, the part of us that will live forever is our spirit. We have one of those. I believe this is one of the other ways we are made in the image of God is we also in God's likeness are a three part being. Where he gave us a, a physical body, he gave us a, a soul, and he gave us a spirit. So three parts containing a spirit, not a quality we see of any of the other creations. Plants don't have that, the world doesn't have that, water and atmosphere don't have that, the stars and celestial bodies that we read about in Genesis 1 don't have that, despite what anyone else might say. Animals don't have it, sea creatures and winged creatures don't have it, but we have it. Because we were made in the image of God. Hallelujah. Going on, uh, we, we see the question posed, did God have to create mankind? That's kind of an interesting question. Did God have to create mankind? Of course he didn't. Isaiah 43, 7 
is a scripture that speaks to this, and I don't believe we have it on the PowerPoint, but it is on your sheet. It says, everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. And then I'll read the second on this part, Acts 17. It says, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Listen, he did not have to create you and I. He, he did not have to create, well, any of it. He is, he is fully sufficient in and of himself. But he created us for a purpose, which we see in Isaiah 43, 7, for his glory. Whom I have created for my glory. He made us to bring glory to him. We were not necessary but we were his favorite creation. Amen. So he created us so that we might bring him glory. This is, um, well, the purpose of him creating us in, in Genesis 1. And, and really, the purpose of the creation of, I believe, the heavens and the earth. He created it so that we might live here. He created everything else, the backdrop, so that his favorite creation could come to be. He knew what we would need to live and, and you know, be possessors and, and dwellers on the earth and fill it and multiply. He knew what we would need, and so he created everything we needed, and then he created us. And all of creation, those six days, all led up, I believe, to the creation of us so that our life could bring God glory. This is the purpose of the creation of our world and us. Mankind was made to bring glory to God through a free choice of God. He chose to do it. He chose to make us and our world and everything else in it so that we could bring him glory. And what's interesting, um, uh, Sean, I think there is a definition uh, page if you want to pull that up. Um, we have, I think it's called communicable attributes. Communicable attributes. God's character reflected in humanity. This is a further point to demonstrate how we are unlike any other creation. Creativity, emotions, love, thinking, mercy, wisdom, morality, and faithfulness. These are, are things given to us that no other creature has in the same way. No other creature has, has the same um, kind of, well, I mean, we could go through this lift, list and talk about each one. And if we had time tonight, I had some scriptures written down where I intended to do that. But we do not have time to do that tonight, so we're going to move on. I just believe it's important for us to realize that we are made differently than any other creature. Besides the fact that we were made in God's image and given a spirit, we were also given these attributes, these communicable attributes, these things that are, are, are like God in the sense that he has these as well. He gave them to us, and, and it distinguishes us from all other creation because other creation doesn't have these in the same way. These are, these are some of those attributes, and we can leave that list up here for just a moment as, as I continue on. Um, upon corruption, our resemblance to God was corrupted. It was marred. It, it was damaged by sin and death. Um, you know, we are obviously imperfect people. We are, we are people that, that miss it, and even these attributes that we have are imperfect because we live in a fallen world. 
praise God, we've been redeemed and that we, when we live in Christ and in His righteousness and with the Holy Spirit empowering us, we are able to resemble God. We, we can be more God-like. And the reason that, that we can, or we could say Christ-like perhaps, the reason we can be Christ-like as it says through the New Testament is because number one, Christ came and made us able to be that way. Number two, God empowered us with the Holy Spirit to be able to live it out and, and produce that fruit in our life. But we couldn't do it if we had not been created with the communicable attributes of God. You know, if he hadn't created us with these characteristics and attributes as a part of our being, we wouldn't be able to have them. But because we were created in his image, a specific favored creation, we do. And so I, I am kind of coming to the point where we're going to get into the apologetics for the last 10 minutes tonight. And I want to just pose this question to you and you can answer it or you can think about it or you can do with it what you'd like. But here is the question. Is the idea of evolution of animals consistent with Scripture? Is man just another animal? This is, this is one of the key points we need to consider tonight and have an answer prepared for tonight as we look at day five and day six of the creation account. Can evolution possibly be a correct theory when it says that mankind is just a highly intelligent version of an animal that was created millions of years ago? My answer is no, in case anybody was curious. Talking about kinds once again, you know, I wanted to touch on this briefly since it was mentioned so many times. I mean, someone, if you'd like, you can go back through and count how many times kind was read tonight in Genesis 1, 20 through 31. It's, it's quite a few times. He talks about the kinds within each of these uh, broader categories of animals and, and sea creatures and flying creatures. One kind, just to drive this point home, one kind cannot morph into another kind. It is a created kind. It, it, it may take on slightly different attributes as there are variations of it over time, but you know, it's like we've got how many different kind of cats running around Jefferson, <laughs> making it personal tonight. They're all a cat. They're all the same kind, even though they may have variations. Those cats aren't, aren't gonna turn into like lions in 10 years. Like we don't think, I, I think we all know that's not gonna happen. So why, why would we try to use that same logic in another way where, you know, well, apes just turned into humans. They just, they changed kinds. No, they did not. God created different kinds in Genesis 1. And one kind cannot reproduce into a different kind. You know, a, a dog doesn't become a cat over the course of reproduction. It doesn't happen. There are variations, but kinds are specific to kinds. And mankind was not just another kind among many animals. Mankind was and is a special creation with a unique relationship with God. Our kind, mankind, was created different, in a different image, with a different mold, with a, with a different inside spirit and attributes than any other kind of creation. 
And it was done that way so that we might have a relationship with our God. And I don't believe that any other creation was, was created, any other kind was created to have a relationship with God, only us. Doesn't that make you feel special? Mm-hmm. That with all the many kinds and species and all this stuff running around the earth, we're the only kind that God cared about having a relationship with. He did a lot of creating, but we were his favorite creation. We're going to take the next nine minutes and end in this way. We're going to talk through a few points of apologetics. And I think there's only one more scripture we'll read off of this sheet. We'll get to that here in a second. Um, Something we mentioned last week, people, until about the 1700s, or or we could say the 18th century, people believed the earth to be 6,000 years old. So it's very recent that the idea of a billion year, billions year old earth even came up. It, it's very recent. And, you know, as, as technology advances and people get new ideas, I almost think that some of the ideas are taking us back a step. That's what we see here is, you know, we, we got to change it up. We got to come up with a new idea or a new theory. You know, I, and even on this point, I feel like I should mention... Um, there is a difference in science that not everybody's aware of. There is observational science and there's theoretical science. And the education system wants to make those one and the same where science is science. I mean, I had never even like really heard of this distinction until I began studying to, to do this teaching. But there are different kinds of science. There's observational science, which you can look at, what you can touch, what you can measure right here and right now. And theoretical science, which is basically taking a guess you know, taking a shot in the dark. That's, that's, the, that's what theoretical science is. It's anybody's best guess. And theoretical science changes all the time because they're constantly finding out, oh, we were wrong. But they don't want to talk about being wrong. Observational science always lines up with the Word of God. Anything that can be studied, measured, accurately today, presently observed, it lines up with the Word of God. But theoretical, when we begin to talk in terms of theory and, and guessing and, you know, here's, here's what we think might work. But, you know, yeah, it was millions of years ago or, or as we would believe, 6,000 years ago. Nobody was there. Nobody observed it. So we can't take a, a record of observation to have our, you know, history. We take God's word. Yeah. Um, and, and so I just think it's important to realize that it was really recent. It was, it was in the last 300 years that anybody changed their idea that, oh, maybe we're older than 6,000 years, but we're not. Kinds, families of animals, um, each is totally different from another. Noah took two of every kind on the ark in Genesis 6.20. That's on our scripture sheet tonight. Uh, we see that. It says of of birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind, two of every kind will come and you will keep them alive. It doesn't say two of every animal. It doesn't say two of every, you know, variation and species. I mean, look, if we were going to talk about dogs, he didn't have golden retrievers and corgis and Springer Spaniels and like Labradoodles and all these different variations on the ark. He had every kind. He had dogs. He had cats. He had the lives. He had cows. He had pigs. He had every kind. But, I mean, I don't think he had every subspecies of every kind of animal. 
It just says he has two of every kind. And so I'm taking the word literally. Don't you believe we should do that? We should take the Bible for what it says. And honestly, I mean, it makes it a lot easier actually to, to believe what that says when you think in terms of, well, maybe every possible variation and, and breed of every kind of animal that there is wasn't on the ark. Maybe there weren't like Asian elephants and African elephants or like if we talked about bears, maybe there weren't polar bears and grizzly bears and brown bears and black bears and koala bears and all these other kinds of bears. Maybe it was just the kind. I mean, it's kind of a neat thing to think about. I mean, when we take the word literally like this and look at it in this sense. There have been many kinds from the beginning. They did not evolve over time. They were there from the start. And if it has ever existed... It was created in Genesis. No animal has ever turned into a human or vice versa. It's sad that we have to be so specific in addressing that, but we live in a world where we do. No animal has ever turned into a human, and no human has ever turned into an animal. Degrading our existence to, to being equal with animals lowers the bar of morality. We, I told you we were going to talk for a few minutes tonight about the danger of equating ourselves and our existence and our creation to that of animals. Well, when we degrade our existence to being equal with animals, we lower the bar of morality that we ought to expect for ourselves. And I believe this is one of the tactics of the enemy to get us out of moral living and, and living out the standards of God as if he can get us to believe we're nothing more than a glorified ape then we have no problem doing things that apes do. Well, I'm not an animal. I'm mankind. Amen. I'm God's favorite creation. And because I have been put in a different position and given a different value than animals, I'm not going to behave like an animal. I'm going to behave better because I am held to a higher moral standard. For nothing more than animals, I mean, most of these points are written out as questions, if we're nothing more than animals, why would we behave in a more upstanding way than the average animal? You know, if, if all we were is animals, then why is there any reason that we behave better than they do? I mean, why should we? I mean, if I'm an animal, I'm going to behave like an animal, but I'm not, and so I don't. There's no reason for a moral standard if all we are is highly evolved animals. The value of human life is lowered. That's, that's a sad point, but a reality for us today is that when people begin seeing humankind, mankind, as being equal to animals, it makes it justifiable to get rid of mankind. You know, we, we, we see issues with animals. We, I mean, you look at nature. Nature is cruel. Nature is death from start to finish. It is Darwinism the strong survive and the weak die. And if all we are is animals, then it makes it justifiable for us to take that same approach. And this is where we see horrible atrocities like abortion and genocide committed. This, this kind of thought that we're nothing more than animals and we can get rid of the, the, the parts or the animals in our species that aren't strong. This is, this is the kind of thing that led to Nazis killing Jews in the 40s and 30s. Horrible things done in the course of humanity because people do not value human life the way that God valued human life. Immoral acts are justified 
And this is a really heavy way to end. You know, I apologize for ending on this, but I think it's important that we really see what it is we are up against and why it's important to know the difference. Immoral acts are justified if we are just an evolved version of nature. And I talked about Darwinism, natural selection, the strong surviving. There is no compassion or care. There is no value for fellow mankind in this line of thought. Taking on the we're just an evolved version of nature thought, it, it, it really is a slippery slope leading to horrible acts that are f- fully void of compassion or love or care or any of the things that Christ came so that we might have them once again. Void of mercy. Void of hope. That's not the kind of life I want to live. No. I don't want to live like an animal. No. Anybody else? You don't want to live like an animal? I think it's better to live like mankind. The truth is that we were created with a spirit which is aware of morality, sin, and righteousness. The Holy Spirit is a gift given only to God's most valued creation. Hallelujah. We got the greatest gift because we are the most favored, most valued creation. And it is your spirit which differentiates you from animals. It's it's my spirit that is aware of moral. It is my spirit that is aware of sin. It's my spirit that's aware of righteous behavior. It's my, my spirit that's alive unto God and has hope for the future, even in bleak circumstances. If I'm nothing more than an animal and I don't have that spirit, then I don't have any of those things in my life. So it's very important we see and know that we do have a spirit and we are a different creation. We're the only creation able to be a vessel or an instrument to carry the Holy Spirit because no other creation is part spirit. Um, All of this contributes to seeing the difference between the evolution and gap theory, the idea that it was billions or millions of years upon which we've evolved from little cells and then, you know, whatever else into who we are today. Um, This idea erodes respect and honor for God's prized creation people. And I think it's important that we know we are God's prized creation. We are favored by the Lord, created in His image, and given dominion of this planet and everything that's on it. We're not just animals. Amen? Amen. We are a glorious creation of a glorious God. He favored us. He blessed us. And He restored us. Amen. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Hope you did. Next week, we're going to talk about Adam and Eve, and so we're going to go further on um, the topic of, of mankind, and it's going to be good. We've got application questions on there. If you have families or anybody with you, I encourage you guys to discuss those as you go tonight. Um, and Go and be blessed. Let's just pray and end service. Father God, we thank you for the word we've looked at tonight, what we've studied this evening. I pray that you just make this real and alive to us. Help us, Lord, to defend the word, to defend the truth, to know that we are a greater creation than all the other animals. We, we are a favored creation, God, and I pray that as that reality is true for us, it would enable us to bring hope and compassion and, and love and righteousness and, and these other qualities we know we have in the Spirit into our world. Let us be the light and the salt that changes the world around us and brings people and points people to you, God. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We love you. We thank you for your word, giving us the answers for today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you as you go.